0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about boys' toys and girls' toys. Especially because of a much-beloved toy brand named Legos. Indeed. Legos has, uh, has stirred up some controversy with a new line they are putting out called Lego Friends, and it is targeted 110% toward girls.
1: Right, and it kind of looks like if your Barbies got it on with your Legos, mm-hmm. like your, maybe your brother's Legos, I don't know, if we're playing a, a long gender stereotype. Lines and things, or if you blew
0: up a poly pocket, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has it has that look. Um, I first heard about Lego Friends a couple months ago when NPR did a story. This was before the product was actually released, and you can now find Lego Friends in your your local giant box store. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that caught my ear, I remember, I was I was getting ready for work, listening to Morning Edition, and they're talking about uh, Lego's process of how they've been researching you know the the types of toys and legos that girls would really like and they mentioned that the minifigs those little figurines are bigger with lego friends to quote make it easier for girls to put hairbrushes and handbags into their minifigurines hands <laughs> great and i nearly spat out my coffee <laughs> Yeah, they have done... You would think
1: that uh, the way that Lego is backing this up, this effort to market to young girls, that this is like the end-all, be-all of toys, that they have figured yeah. out girls and women, and that's
0: it. It's just little tiny figures and pink blocks for the rest of our lives. And according to Lego Friends, if that is, in fact, the case, we love pink and purple. Mm-hmm. Go figure. We really like baking. Oh, yes. And we all either want to be vets... Or hairstylists, and there's nothing wrong with being. I'm sure at some point as a child, I thought about being a vet and a hairstylist. Don't if you look at my hair now, you can tell that at least <laughs> one of those was off the table from an early age. Um, and it's uh, pe- people are not too happy with what Lego has come up with.
1: Right. Well, there. I mean, this is not the first time that Lego has attempted to mess with the formula of a very successful toy. Um, this is, what, the fifth or sixth attempt? There have been things called uh, the Paradisa sets, which I had as a child, and they were awesome. And I don't know what's wrong with, with palm
0: trees, okay? Look, well, it's the, pink, the, I know. The Paradisa set was pretty cool, but if you go back to 1979, which was when Lego first tried to reach out specifically to girls, they came up with something called these scala bricks, which were essentially Legos decorated with birds and flowers, but you could only make jewelry with them. Because that's all girls do, though, right? Yeah, we just want jewelry. And then in 2003, it tried to make a comeback again for girls with clickets, which was more jewelry building and Legos that you could stick on picture frames.
1: Well... Again, I mean, girls don't do much of anything else. Right? No, so. except
0: when I was a kid, I was playing with Legos. Normal exactly. Legos.
1: Exactly. I have tubs, and my dad is constantly on me to get rid of them, but my mother's like, we spend too much money on this, we're not getting rid of it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I have tubs of, of the regular primary color. Yeah. Boy Legos. But I mean, as a kid, I, I mean, I could get into it about my childhood, but I, played with just as many boy toys as I did with girl toys. Mm-hmm.
0: I think since I have two older brothers and two older sisters the the play closet was just a hodgepodge of G.I. Joes and these little animal figurines called Maple Towns, which were obviously Mm. more targeted to girls. And I played with them equally. Yeah. Although sometimes my brother didn't like it when I played with his G.I. Joe's.
1: My Monster Trucks played with my Barbie dolls in the same setting.
0: I mean what are they gonna how are they gonna get to the veterinary clinic? (laughs) And the bakery. Or the bakery,
1: exactly. Well I wanna talk about the research that Lego did, um because they keep harping on this and every piece of uh Every article about Lego, um, they did years of research, four years of research that involved actually having researchers infiltrate families' homes and shadow the children, which sounds creepy. But they spent a lot of money putting these researchers in homes to basically figure out how children play, and they determined that... Um, while boys, uh, when they played with Legos, would put them together from start to finish, like mm-hmm. quickly go through it, make it look exa- make it look exactly like it did on the box, and then start playing. Girls were more into role playing as they went, you know, making up characters and storylines as they built, and so they used this information. To not only create the Lego Friends line, but to package it differently.
0: Mm-hmm. So according to this research, uh, they have packaged Lego Friends so that girls can start playing before the building is complete. And it looks like from, I haven't gotten my hands on an actual Lego Friends set, but it looks like from the commercials, there are pre-assembled houses and, uh, little places in, in the village or the city. The Heart Lake, Heart Lake City? I think it's, yeah, I think it's Heart Lake City. So
1: completely separate from the Lego City, mm-hmm. which is where all the other people live. All the guys, I guess. It's very gender segregated, that Lego town.
0: And we haven't mentioned just uh, the general uh, stats of Heart Lake, which is predominated by, not by primary colors with normal uh, Lego towns, but it's a lot of pink, purple, and bright blue. Very pastel. And it's like living in Key West all the time. <laughs> or in, what was it called, Paradisa? Right. Your Paradisa uh, Beach Kid. There you go. I bring my horses from Paradisa <laughs> over to Heart Lake City. To the veterinary clinic. Um, and it's dominated by five main characters, Emma, Stephanie, Mia, Olivia, and Andrea. I wonder what your opinion of those characters is, Kristen. I mean, they're probably a lot of fun.
1: Well, there is Olivia, who is the, as the writer in Wired said in his article about this, she's the proto-nerd, mm-hmm. or proto-geek. She has a great little um, science lab, and all of her tools are purple. But, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe she likes that. There are people who like
0: purple tools. They sell them at stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, all of this, this isn't Lego just pulling these gender stereotypes out of thin air. They insist that this is the result of their multi-year anthropological in-home studies. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting
1: to point out, though, and and several other uh, researchers and writers have brought this point up, Is is Lego supporting existing gender divisions, or are they creating them? Because they've marketed to boys so heavily mm-hmm. in the past. And, you know, Legos definitely started out way back in the 30s and 40s, 50s as a gender-neutral toy. Boys and girls were expected to play with them equally. The parents would get in on the action sometimes. But over the past couple of maybe decades, or at least the last 10 years, I would say that uh, Lego marketing has really focused more strongly on boys. You know, in the ads, it's all like, oh, yeah, shoot them up, create the missiles, fire the missiles, you know, build a fire truck and go save people.
0: It also markets... Legos as a father-son activity. It's something that groups of boys can do together or just alone in your room. It's pretty cool. Um And as a result of them focusing exclusively on boys, Bloomberg Businessweek magazine reports that revenue has increased 105% since 2006. And in 2010, they topped $1 billion in U.S. sales for the first time. So from a marketing standpoint they're they're you know all boys all the time strategy seems to have paid off right and uh the company's ceo jorgen
1: nudstorp um actually brought the company back from the brink it was losing so much money and so those those sales figures are are great for him and it's his his motivation for all of this research into getting the girls back into lego mm-hmm. i don't like it tell me he says we want to reach the other 50% of the world's children And my response is, Jorgen, you already had them
0: before you split the Legos into pink and purple and then primary colors. And it's so true. Among the 10 characteristics for Lego, these are official characteristics set forth by the founder's son in 1963, four girls... And boys. Right. That's the idea. And there's this ad, Lego ad from 1981, that has been circulating all around Facebook and Twitter and blogs. And it shows this adorable redheaded girl in jeans and tennis shoes, like proudly holding up this bizarre Lego creation that, you know, the types that you and I probably both made that really doesn't look like much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tagline reads, What it is is beautiful. And everyone's saying, Look, what are you talking about? You had girls. We've yeah. been using this. Why do you need to you know, recreate these mini figs and, uh, with, with tiny skirts? And, and they have boobs. They have little boobs. I don't know about that. Little contoured plastic boots. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. But again, that supposedly goes back to research saying that girls tend to uh, endow their toys with personalities, that they would see the minifigs as avatars of themselves. So it needed to, the, you know, the the redesign needed to reflect more realistically, you know, the, the beauty that little girls appreciate more than anything else. Yeah, that's that's a drag. That's I mean, and that's not that's what not what I'm saying. That's what it, one of the lead researchers from Lego is saying.
1: Yeah, and they talk a lot about the Lego phase in boys versus the princess phase in girls. And I'm not saying that um, boys shouldn't build structures and girls shouldn't dress up as princesses. Right. But what I think, uh, and this is this has come up over and over again. Are advertisers just exploiting this, though? I mean, are are girls wanting to play with contoured little lady figs, and which sounds horrific, <laughs> um, and pink and purple houses and and puppies and cupcakes and stuff? Because that's something inherent, mm-hmm. or is it something that's created that they just think, well, I'm a little girl, I'm going to do this. I don't want to be like those dirty boys.
0: Well, all of this reminds me of uh, my how old is she now? She's probably seven or eight year old niece who is she has three brothers and she is if you walk into a room it looks like you know like a princess castle exploded <laughs> in there but her favorite toy right now is her pink rifle that she goes out hunting with her brothers so it's you know i don't i, I don't know i think is it a real rifle no oh <laughs> uh, well, i was like Gosh, I don't know what's going on in your family. <laughs> she's a pretty extreme little lady. So what I'm saying is she doesn't need Legos. She's, <laughs> she's moved on. No, it's a fake rifle.
1: Um, Legos have been shown to have a lot of benefits for kids. Um, it really increased building all of those those structures and spaceships and things, really develops spatial, mathematical, and fine motor skills. And uh, as Lise Elliott, a neuroscientist and author of the book Pink Brain, Blue Brain, says, hey, if it takes color coding or ponies and hairdressers to get girls playing with Lego, I'll put up with it at least for now because it's just so good for little girls' brains. And that's true. They need to get more girls, you know, developing their spatial skills, maybe mm-hmm. eventually leading to
0: interests in science, engineering, physics. But other women, uh, such as Stephanie Cole, who uh, is one of the leaders behind an online petition on Change.org to get LEGO to commit to gender equity in marketing, their response to Lisa Elliott might be, hey, you know what? They don't need to change the product. Mm -hmm. The product already appeals to both boys and girls. They need to change what kids are seeing in those commercials because if little girls are watching those LEGO commercials and it's just boys playing with them,
1: they get the message that they can't. Right. And I just want to point out that as of February 13th, more than 52,000 people had signed Stephanie Cole's petition to get Lego to be more equitable in their marketing.
0: People are really upset about this issue. And uh, and listeners might be wondering why we have been devoting so much of this episode so far exclusively to this Lego's controversy. But I think it's a perfect case study for um, maybe how... Toy makers approach this gender issue, how it's used in marketing, and you know, and whether or not it matters at all. You know, in kids' lives. I mean, does it? You know, does it really matter if your child just wants to, you know, play cupcake time versus airplane building? Maybe give them the option of both. Mm-hmm. And the real world application of that option for both the uh, the mathier versus the more creative, softer mm-hmm. skills that are associated with uh, more uh, female-targeted toys, is this extension to STEM jobs and careers and education... As these kids age, because like you mentioned earlier, Legos have been shown to really foster those spatial skills, the mathematical, fine motor skills, and in doing so, um, it might uh, help boys later in life as they grapple with math and science in school. Research from the American
1: Association of University Women, uh, it did, it threw out there that boys and men consistently outperform girls and women in the area of spatial skills, but that taking simple classes on these spatial skills really leveled the playing field. And so if girls grow up in an environment that provides spatial skills training, they're more likely to develop their skills and confidence and consider a future in STEM jobs. And at the end of the study, they had a bunch of recommendations for how to level, continue to level the playing field, encourage girls to participate as they get older, and they really encourage children and students to play with construction toys, Legos, take things apart and put them back together again, Legos, play games that involve fitting objects into different places, Legos, (laughs) and draw and work with their hands.
0: And um, this is something that's called tinkering, which I thought was an interesting concept. Uh, This was from an article by Dana Goldstein, and uh, tinkering is just this idea of... Like you said, like playing with your hands, having to use those different parts of your brain. Which get, toys like Legos, Erector sets, connects really, uh, really exercise very well. Which is why it's not a thing of, uh, you know, not wanting girls to play with dolls, but just wanting to make sure that other options are open, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and there was a, a pretty good example of how stark gender differences are in uh, in boys and girls toys even today there was an article in good magazine in december 2011 uh, written by christopher mems and he was looking at the hot toys from last year and this was judged by the toy industry association's toy of the year awards and the toy industry association divides toys into girls' toys versus boys' toys. And the winner for 2011 for boys was the Hot Wheels Wall Track, which basically is this crazy uh, track that boys can build that can go up a wall and around. And again, it's like uh, a lot of those building skills, the spatial skills. The number one girl toy that won the award from the Toy Industry Association was Fidget Friends Interactive Figurines. And basically, it looks like a strange kind of Teletubby-ish plush squeeze-it that says <laughs> things like, you look fabulous. And my favorite, I live for the weekends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do a, what a little kids know about living for the weekends? I ask you that. A
0: lot. <laughs> uh, Christopher Mims wrote, It's hard not to see the extreme gender polarization of this year's best-selling children's toys as the festering rootstock of so much of the baggage men and women are forced to overcome as adults. Because it was true. If you look at all the girls' toys, it's a lot of the cooking stuff. It's... Bizarre, <laughs> squishable figurines. You look fabulous. Yeah. And whereas the the boys' toys are more interactive, sometimes more violent, and they look at least a little bit more fun. Yeah, the one
1: the one that I rolled my eyes at so hard they almost fell out of my head was Monster High. Oh. These are, these are young ladies, the, the figurines, the mm. dolls are, are the daughters, the teen daughters of monsters. Oh. And so, you know, they look all pale and kind of gross like monsters do, but they're still like stretched out, almost Barbie-like, and they're, they're really into fashion. That's like the, uh,
0: the makeover for troll dolls. Yes. Troll dolls now have a, a tween set with, yes. that carry around sassy handbags. As and- does strawberry shortcake. And what's the other one? Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright. They've all been sexualized. Their eyes have gotten bigger. Their hips have gotten curvier. Yeah. I don't understand. What's wrong with having a toy look like a, a
1: little girl, like a little round toy? Mm-hmm.
0: Who cares? <laughs> like a little, a little squish it <laughs> that I apparently don't like. But it's just because it says things like I live for the weekends.
1: But it's it's not just us picking up, the, uh, us intelligent adults picking up on these gender stereotypes and these, these problematic... Issues that arise when you change how children see toys. Children themselves are picking up on this, and mm-hmm. several studies point out that children as young as three can apply gender stereotypes and correctly, quote unquote, identify toys as being either for girls or, or boys. Both boys and girls end up showing a stronger preference for boy toys as they get older. And that sort of leads into something, you know, the whole topic of it's okay for girls to like boy-related things. Right. But if boys show an interesting
0: girl-related things, they're called sissies. Well, yeah, think about it. Girls can be tomboys, mm-hmm. but boys can't be tom tomgirls. <laughs> yeah, what's the term for? I don't know. I don't know. And not only do children from a very early age internalize those gender norms, a 2007 study published in the journal Early Childhood Education found that three-year-olds and five-year-old kids expected parents to judge their play choices based on gender roles. Even though when the parents were surveyed, they'd say, no, 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 we're not big into gender stereotypes. Susie can play with whatever she wants, or Harry can play with whatever he wants. But when you ask Susie and Harry whether or not their parents would be okay with them, you know, playing princess or hammering something, they, uh, they expected to be judged negatively if they broke those gender norms. These are children too. These are three and five year olds.
1: Well, they they pick up on it really quickly. And and anybody who's looked into all of this Lego business out there has probably seen the YouTube video of that adorable little girl throwing a, a fit in the mm-hmm. toy aisle because she, you know, she's basically saying, you know, why do girls have to like pink princess stuff? Boys can like it too. Girls can like superheroes and boy, you know.
0: Well, and the thing is we we've talked so much about how uh you know this marketing might be harmful towards girls, but really all of this um these psychological studies reflect on the fact that those the gender schemas are more rigid for boys, so we're doing a disservice to both boys and girls by by restricting, you know, what they can and can't play with in a lot of ways.
1: And speaking of what they can and can't play with, um, in the International Journal of Gender Science and Technology, uh, a study out of the Netherlands showed that uh, they talked to a couple of girls. I think it was like nine or ten girls. And the handful of girls that they interviewed felt free to play with masculine connoted games. But on the other hand, they also spent time and effort trying to justify their choices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were really excited to play violent video games and they thought like shoot 'em up games were really cool. But they made sure to, to say things like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I don't like it that much. And they made sure to to depict other girls who really liked it as being
0: weird and, and out of the ordinary. And uh, the same study that you referenced cited other studies that associated the toys that kids play with with their career preferences and spatial versus verbal abilities. So they're do seem to be real-world implications of the kind of toy marketing and development that is being catered to these kids. Um, and we we do have to reference this one study that has been it's often touted as a scientific basis for gendering toys and this was, came out in 2008 and this was a study led by psychologist Kim Wallen at the Yerkes National Primate Research Center here in Atlanta, Georgia. And they uh, the researchers gave toys, an option of wheeled toys such as dump trucks and then plush dolls to a set of 11 male and 23 female rhesus monkeys. And they found that the Young male rhesus monkeys spent more time playing with those wheeled toys versus the plush dolls, whereas the female rhesus monkeys played with both equally. So they're saying, "Hey, you know what? It's it's okay because boys, are, you know, are naturally our primate instincts say that boys are just naturally drawn to these different kinds of of toys. So so we should that that should be fine. Build your Lego friends, no big deal. I'm skeptical. Yeah. This eyebrow says that I'm skeptical, Kristen. A lot of people are skeptical. Yeah. But one thing that primate study did not confirm at all is this whole, uh, gendering of the color wheel. And
1: adults looking at the normal pictures of toys marketed for girls judge the toys to be feminine, passive, and uninteresting, while they judge the toys for boys to be masculine, active, and interesting. And part of this study did include Legos and talk about uh, the color of Legos and the fact that toys targeted for both boys and girls tend to be rated on the masculine side of neutral suggests that, for example, they say pink Legos would be considered to be for girls and not for boys, but that yellow, white, orange and red Legos would be considered for either boys or girls.
0: So we establish these, these notions very early in childhood, as early as age three, and they are carried with us into adulthood. But to end things, maybe on a... Can we offer a positive note? Please. Because we have been... We've been uh, really hammering home the the more negative side of things. But Hamleys... This is coming from... Uh, reported by Peggy Orenstein in the New York Times. She points out that Hamleys, which is the London equivalent of FAO Schwartz, recently dismantled its pink girls and blue boys sections in favor of a gender-neutral store... With red and white signage, so some people are paying attention to this. Obviously, that uh, that 52,000 strong Change.org petition to Legos indicates that people are paying attention. Um, and again, this isn't an issue of saying that the girls should not want to play with dolls and princesses. I had tons of dolls and enjoyed that, you know, the the baking and the pretending that i was a horse farm owner and all, you know all of those kind of gendered uh, gender norm activities but it's more what what these companies are promoting yeah i really think that it would do quite a
1: service to kids if maybe the marketers took the lead right and i know i know marketers and advertisers are only responding to what people say they want mm-hmm. So, you know, they're creating these products and marketing these products that are super pink and sparkly for girls and super violent and, you know, scary for boys Um, or scary. I don't know. Um, But maybe if they took the lead and just tried to market and create plain gender, not plain, but, you know, gender neutral toys that everybody could enjoy
0: bring back the wooden blocks, Lincoln logs <laughs> yeah. for all. Lincoln
1: Hey, stem,
0: stem jobs. Exactly. Creating things with our hands. <laughs> uh but parents out there curious to know what uh you've done in terms of this whole gendered toy Issue. I mean, is it something that you even think about, especially if you have little girls? It seems like this is often thought of a lot more in terms of like how it's affecting little girls rather than how it's affecting boys. So we want to hear from from folks out there and also people's own experiences Mm -hmm. with toys. And when you were a child, did you stick to your your blue aisle or your pink aisle? Let us know. MomStuff at Discovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also let us know what's happening on Facebook. And we have a couple of emails here just to shift gears in a major way. We have a couple of emails here in response to our episode on Volvadinia i got an email here from Nancy, and she writes, I just listened to your podcast about this awful disorder, and it needs a lot of publicity. I would want to help any woman who suffers from this and gets the run around from her doctors who tells her there's nothing wrong and look at her like she is neurotic or hysteric. I was at my wits end until one GYN happened to read about interstitial cystitis and also vulvodynia. Uh, for six years, I'd suffered in agony, and I'm now cured. And she writes... I had it all, vestibulitis, vaginitis, and an imbalance in vaginal bacteria, a pelvic floor, prolapse, and intense anxiety and weight loss from the nonstop burning torture. Some women are given Paxil, and I happen to have Xanax for anxiety. And those meds uh, do something good with the pudendal nerve, which is otherwise fired up, in this disorder. I'm cured with no recurrence for about nine years, and it had come on suddenly, and like so many, I was treated for yeast infections, which this was not. Let me know how I can help. I've written to all the women's magazines to have articles on this, and few have done so. And uh, Nancy's story is like a lot that we have received from women saying, A, thanks for finally talking about this, and also their extreme frustration with getting a diagnosis.
1: Okay, this is from Mish. I am 23, and I have had vulvodynia since I was 13. I could never use a tampon, have sex, or have a pap smear. In fact, doctors wouldn't give me full examinations because I would be in too much pain. When I was 20, I tried to have intercourse for the first time, and it was painful, but I just thought it was supposed to be painful. After trying a few more times and never being able to successfully have sex, I started to seek out an answer. I went to several gynecologists who treated me for a yeast infection and repeatedly asked if I was sexually abused. Finally, I started to find the answers on the wall of a bathroom stall at UCLA. Coincidentally, during my sophomore year at UCLA, two gynecologists were conducting a study on vulvodynia and had posted flyers in the ladies' restroom. I took part in a study that involved four very painful injections in places women should never have to get injections every other week for 12 weeks. The injections had nerve blockers that were supposed to eventually train the nerves to not respond with pain and sensitivity to any stimuli. It helped, but didn't cure it entirely. I then went to a magnificent physical therapist who specializes in internal pelvic floor physical therapy. Finally, I was able to use tampons and, as of three months ago, successfully have intercourse for the first time. I still have pain, and I find that intercourse is more painful at some weeks of my menstrual cycle than others. My latest gynecologist wants me to have a hymenectomy in which they cut out all or some of a woman's hymen in the hopes that it will make intercourse less painful. To say the least, Fulvidinia is extremely inconvenient. I've lost and avoided relationships over it, and I think the worst part is that, like you said... The desire for sex is there, but there is no relief. On the upside, however, I've come a long way, and I have faith that if I keep seeking out experienced professionals, I will find my answer.
0: So thanks to everybody who has written in. And again, if you have any thoughts to send our way, momstuff@discovery.com is email address you can write to us. Um, and again, you can find us on Facebook, slash Stuff Mom Never Told You, on Twitter, at MomStuffPodcast. And you can check out the blog during the week, It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you